Thank you for checking into 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. I'm Kwani Lunis, and today I'm joined by the first, not only Black woman, but a Haitian-American female city councilor for the city of Everett, Massachusetts, Girlie Adrian. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. How's your day going? <laughs> <laughs> busy, 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 busy. Um, but every day I wake up with a smile. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's the, the energy that we need to hear. <laughs> I do want to backtrack before we get into the reason why you're so busy. I know you are a Massachusetts native. So for those who don't know your story, where are you from and how did you get into the role that you are in now? Yeah. So my name is Girlie Adrian. Um, and as you can hear, my name is a very unique name. Um, it's half my mother's and half my father's name. Um, so my mother's name is Magli and my dad's name is Gerson. And they're both Haitian immigrants. Uh, so they immigrated to Massachusetts around 1980s. And so uh, they settled in Everett, where I grew up. Um, and so Everett has been my hometown. I love the city. I love the diversity. And it has definitely shaped me to the person who I am today. Uh, also, um, my love for politics has started since a young age. And so uh, helping people, serving, fighting on issues that people truly care about and really trying to produce real changes um, is really about who I am. I love to hear that. And we had Seti Warren on this same series earlier in the year. And I just love when you hear of someone that grew up in a city and then eventually they're making their way into an office or, you know, official role. So when was the thought process for you? When did that come about when you decided you wanted to be more involved in your hometown? Yeah. So when I, I felt like uh, growing up, people wanted to be doctors, right? They wanted to be lawyers. Uh, they wanted to be police officers. Uh, for me, I always said that I wanted to be a politician in Everett. And it started when I was 10 years old. Um, my mom at the time, uh, she was working multiple jobs, uh, low paid jobs as a certified nurse assistant. And uh, I remember we were having issues one winter and I said, well, mom, how can I help you? How can we help solve this problem. And she said, you know, the local newspapers you read, because I used to read these local newspapers every Thursday. She's like, those are the people who can help us. And they were politicians. So I said, mom, I'm going to be that person one day. And so I came back um, to my hometown and said, I wanted to come back and run for office here. That's phenomenal. And you did go to Bentley University, which is primarily a business school. So when you entered and enrolled into the university, were your plans ever at that point, did you already plan to get into politics or were you still very much business minded? Yeah, so my my first two years of college, I, I went to Temple University and I was a pre-law focus. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, so my focus was uh, political science, criminal justice. I interned at the prosecutor's office right down there and my shift for policies changed. I said, I didn't want to be an attorney. I really wanted to be the person who was making those policies. And so my love for politics grew even more. Uh, but at the time I was introduced to business and I love the aspect that the government, right? Revolves around money, around around budgets, around around how do you spend it? And so I wanted to learn more about that. I didn't grow up with wealthy. I didn't grow up with money and et cetera. So I wanted to be an expert in that. And I wanted to go to the best school. So I went to Bentley University, but I always had in the back of my mind that I was gonna run for office. You mentioned something that I, I love to talk about when I've talked to anyone that is from immigrant households is the fact that your mom was working those nursing jobs and you decided to go into a career that is not necessarily unconventional, but you, like you mentioned, you didn't have 
the connections to do that. So how did you get your foot in the door for that first internship? Oh, man, I, I will say, you remember. People, <laughs> well, people call me the networking queen. Yeah. I have my phone book. If you need somebody or a connection to, I can find it. And so when I was in college, I would network everywhere, LinkedIn, send out emails, go to conferences. And so my first internship actually was with the U.S. Department of Defense, uh, where I worked with the inspector general. And uh, it was through a networking uh, meetup that I met with a person. Wow. And obviously the rest speaks for itself, but we know how busy you are and you are a businesswoman on the side. I read that you have your own ice cream shop, which is phenomenal, Tipping Cow, that's also in your hometown. How did that ice cream shop come about? Yeah, so my husband and I, um, we originally wanted a coffee shop. We were thinking about, but there's so many coffee shops here. Right. <laughs> Especially Dunkin', uh, <laughs> they're everywhere. Right, definitely, Dunkin's and Starbucks. And so uh, we wanted to do something very different. And I love ice cream. I'm a big, I can eat a pint of ice cream every day. <laughs> um, so in 2018, there was opportunity. Um, so Somerville was the place where I was born and uh, a, a young lady, she wanted to sell her ice cream shop. She felt like it was, uh, it was too much, but she wanted to continue her brand. And so we asked her if we could continue it and change it up a little bit. And so that's what we did. Um, and we decided we renovated the place. Uh, we offered much more flavors and uh, we were able to market. And we actually won the Boston Magazine's Best Ice Cream Award last year. So I felt like we've been able to grow and expand. Did you change the name that it originally was or was that name there all along? Yeah, we kept the same name. Nice. And I also noticed that you have a variety of options. You mentioned get, like expanding the brand, but there are dairy-free options. What went into that process of marketing it so that people that are lactose intolerant can still enjoy your brand? Right. I think it's important when we talk about community, we want everyone to feel included. Right. So in my work in politics or in my work in finance or et cetera, it was the same thing with ice cream. There are some people who are allergic. There's some people who have nut allergies. There's some people who can't eat um, or drink milk. And so we want everyone to taste really good quality ice cream. Like we make everything from scratch. Um, my husband is in there every morning and he literally, uh, he says he does it with his heart. And we feel like that's sort of unique and different. And I know the silver lining was getting that award last year for the best ice cream from Boston Mag, but last year was the beginning of the pandemic and a lot of small businesses did suffer. What kind of hit did you guys take? If any. Right. I, you know, I think for everybody, like we shut down for a period of time, right? Because we thought mm -hmm. first safety. Uh, we right. were heard about there were so many cases where cases were spreading. And our nearby business, one of our neighbors, they actually got COVID and it spread amongst the staff. And so we decided to shut down and where we weren't getting any money, right? Um, and then it was it was amazing where, in a sense, the the, the whole uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, and we're the only small business of ice cream as a Black-owned business in Somerville. And so we started noticing, once we decided to open up, there were lines out the door. Um, people wanted to support a Black business, and it was incredible. And so it helped us on top of that. Um, but yes, uh, you know, so many of our neighbors had to close down. I can imagine, but thankfully that a lot of restaurants and small businesses have been able to open back again, which I'm sure you're not mad about. <laughs> but I also wanna pivot back a little bit into your political career. I noticed that in 2019, you beat out two incumbents 
And again, not coming from a strong political background, how are you able to not only navigate to winning, but what was the process like for you being fairly new to the political world? So I'll tell you, I just remember uh, I'm a grassroots person, right? I feel like in my heart, I'm an activist first. And I remember going to the doors and talking about real issues and examples of what I wanted to change or what I thought was unfair. And I noticed that it touched people's hearts and it was like, oh, I want to get more involved. And particularly like my whole uh I say motto is trying to get everyone involved at the table. And so we would reach out to people who probably just didn't vote in local elections, but we wanted them to know like you have city councilors who have been there for 10, 20 years and the city has changed. We need somebody who's gonna resonate and understand our struggles and our challenges. And I just thought if I talked about the honesty of what was going on, that people would be able to relate to me. For sure. And what has been the biggest challenge over the last two years of being in office? Right. You know, especially with the pandemic, I will say a lot of my residents um, have been laid off. Uh, the need for food, right, to cover rent, their mortgage, um, as well as small business owners have had to shut down and try to figure out a new opportunity for them. Um, I get calls and text messages every single day and it, it hurts my heart because I'm trying to figure out how can I help you? How can I make your life better? Because that's what I feel like my role is. Mm -hmm. um, so those struggles, it touches my heart because I've been there. Right. right? We grew up like that. And so I want to be able to help provide solutions for them. In your role with the city council, do you feel as though you've been given the resources and opportunities to help the constituents that you work with? So I will tell you the honest truth. So my colleagues, um, I feel like their view of politics is very different than my view. And I feel like at the end of the day, I'm going to help as many people as I can, um, even if they don't want to join the journey with me. And they have told me and noted that often. But um, I feel like at the end of the day, I've been able to help and serve so many residents. And we've been able to provide. Uh, we did the first Black History Month essay contest. We've given away 14 scholarships. I've raised money and I've personally give out of my pocket. Uh, we've helped 75 families with real groceries and turkey and chicken and, and et cetera. And uh, this month, we're hosting a diaper giveaway where we're going to help 50 families with diapers and baby wipes. And that essentially for me, as my role as a city councilor, um, I just want to be able to help and provide as many resources as I can to my constituents. I know you've mentioned your love of politics and, and working in obviously your home city. So what do you foresee as being a, a next natural step in the political world for you, if you continue to pursue? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. I just got a phone call from a resident. They're like, what's your next step? And I was just, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I say, you know, I just love to continue to serve people. And if there is an opportunity that arises where I can be the most effective and the most impactful to people's lives, I will definitely take that on and explore it. But for right now, uh, we're just uh, trying to navigate through all of this and try to help as many people. Absolutely. And this is the year where everyone is needing the most help for sure. And with that being said, I, we mentioned again, you've been busy with your small business and also helping the people in your community. So what do you do when it comes to de-stressing and really stepping away from your work? Your multiple works. <laughs> I, I watch a lot of Netflix. I will okay. tell you. Every day I watch, um, you know how now Netflix has the top 10? Yeah, I saw, yeah. 
So I challenged myself to watch the top number one every day. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Something different, something unique and something, you know, I'm, I just watched Thunder Force. I don't really like action movies, but it was really good. <laughs> it's so funny though, because they have that, that option where if you don't know what to watch at all, you can just click that. But that yeah. seems a little too risky. I actually like that method of just whatever's number one. Clearly, people like it. I want to see what it's about. <laughs> it's been really good, really good. So you would say Netflix is is your main go to self care method overall? Yes, and podcasts, uh, okay. I, and and Clubhouse now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's these two groups I listen to every single morning at six a.m. and seven a.m. Uh, one is about faith, and the other one is about um, business over breakfast. Really great, really great resources. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, write a review, and share it with a friend, someone that you think will really enjoy this conversation. As always, you can check out the videos on NBC10Boston.com slash 10 questions.